there's a big difference between what is recyclable as a matter of physics and what's recyclable as a matter of economics. It's our own behavior and how we can be doing it better and smarter for the environment. Everything that you put in your recycling bin, someone's looking at. You're listening to Table Talk, where we share surprising stories from around the Bay Area. I'm Vivian, and I'm here with my boss, Steve, who some of you may know as Senator Glazer. I'm part of his team based in his Bay Area district. So pull up a chair, get comfy, grab your favorite snacks, because today we're talking about how recycling works around here. Works? Wait a second. That's that's (laughs) the opposite. Hello, everybody. Hi, Vivian. I mean, if there's one thing that creates frustration in my household for years, it's this issue of recycling, because we know how important it is for our planet. Um, And yet for me and my household, it drives us all crazy because what is really recycling? And just when you put it in the can doesn't mean you're doing it right. And I say all this because even though I served on our trash board for five years, it's really confusing. These uh, chasing arrows with a number one is different than a number seven. I mean, who the heck knows? So it's very confusing. So I'm glad we both had the chance to kind of go out to this recycling center, right? And what do yeah. we, you know, that that's where we went, right? In Pittsburgh. Yeah, and really see it for yourself. I mean, there's so much recycling and so many different items. And like, if you just look at your own recycling bin, there's so many different things. They all have to get sorted somewhere. So that's what we went and saw. So I hope that uh, out of this, it'll be all crystal clear, right, Vivian? Well, uh, a little more clear. Set the scene for us. <laughs> We're out in Pittsburgh now. Yeah, so out in Pittsburgh, it's this beautiful, bright, sunny day, um, and there's this huge facility, and uh, that's where we went to go and learn what happens after we toss everything in our recycling bins at home. Um, So this facility processes recycling from all over the area. That's places like Pittsburgh itself to Oakley to unincorporated parts of eastern Contra Costa County, and then all the way over to places like Alamo, La Mirinda, Walnut Creek, and then just about everything in between. Um, So the general manager showed us around the building, which is about the size of a big box store like Costco. And the first step for all that recycling after it gets collected from your driveway is to come in through the facility's huge front doors in trucks. The trucks dump everything out in a big pile. And then from there, people feed it into machines to start the sorting process. Kish Rajan is the CEO of the center, which is officially called Mount Diablo Resource Recovery. He says, We bring in uh, just over 300 tons per day. And that number's been pretty steady for the past several years. Now, all the sorting happens on this structure that's about four stories high and made up of a maze of metal walkways. About three dozen people work here each day. Their job, to sort everything we toss into our blue recycling bins and make sure as much of it actually makes it to the end of the line as possible. And Kish says they have a lot of -of state-of-the-art machines to help with that process. So what you're hearing is glass falling off one conveyor belt and onto another, going up a slight incline to the next level of the operation. A lot of that glass will end up being sold to a purchaser here in the United States, as will much of the metal that makes its way through the facility. Most of the plastic and cardboard, though, ends up either somewhere in Asia or in California. Although Kish says it can end up really anywhere in the world. We walk a little further to a huge set of metal stairs, and that's where we really get to the belly of the operation. On one side is a supersized metal cage filled with soda cans falling steadily out of a big funnel a few levels up. 
Just past the cans is a worker sorting out the recyclables from things that have to end up in the landfill. A conveyor belt feeds items past him, and he has to quickly pick out the things that don't make the cut. And that can be anything from food-soiled materials, like a pizza box with oil and sauce in it, to a plastic water bottle that has a paper towel or a snack wrapper put inside of it. And Kish says the best way to make sure even more items have a chance at being recycled, take a second to rinse out your items before you toss them in your blue bin. And do your best to keep non-recyclables out. That includes things like dirty diapers, a garden hose, things that aren't recyclable, but Kish says end up in the center pretty often. He says about 25 to 28 percent of what comes into the facility are these items that aren't recoverable and that someone has to spot those along the sorting line and filter them out. And that filtering process is super important because the cleaner recycling is, the easier it is to sell to buyers who want it. On the, you know, sort of reality side, I want people to understand that there's a big difference between what is recyclable as a matter of physics and what's or chemistry and what's recyclable as a matter of economics, right? And so though you might have a piece of paper or cardboard or plastic or metal or glass and think, well, that in its nature is a recyclable material, so it must be being recycled. Well, the reality is, is that if we can't collect and process that material, as we've been discussing, to a level that someone in the world will buy it and and break it down to its base material so that it can be re cast as part of a new product, it's not being recycled. So Vivian, unfortunately, one of the ugly truths is, is that there are companies that want to fool us and they want to pretend like they're green and that uh, everything that they produce has been made from recycled products or is able to be recycled. But now we're learning it's really not true and that uh, we have to be very discerning consumers in terms of what we buy because just because they say it is doesn't mean, uh, as your reporting shows, it doesn't mean that it is. And that also goes for things where it's something like, for example, a yogurt container where in it in some senses it is recyclable, but it's really difficult to recycle it or make it even worth it for companies to try and recycle it because breaking down that plastic from that yogurt container into something that's reusable is just so difficult that it doesn't make sense. That's right. My takeaway from the reporting that we're sharing is that um, you know, part of this is to watch out, you know, uh, for these companies that try to mislead us about recycling, that maybe our higher education now makes us better consumers. But the other part of it is the role that we still play in recycling, which is to make sure that we're helping the recycling product uh, process by keeping things clean, keeping them dry. Cardboard that's wet is no good. In fact, it pollutes the whole supply of recycled cardboard. And, and uh, so we have to be smarter about how we recycle. And I know that the, uh, the, the trash entities around the Bay Area and in California, they work hard at educating us. They send us newsletters. You, you, you don't just recycle those newsletters. You got to read them. You have to see what? what they say because they do go into detail and it's like, oh my God, I have to read the small print. Yeah. But no, we have to read it. We have to be better at it because we're committed to it. So now we have to put in the work, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of things that like, I mean, I was reading over the list of all the things and kinds of plastic that you can and can't recycle. And one thing I've been guilty of throwing in the recycling bin that is not recyclable are like plastic cutlery, like forks and knives that you take on a picnic. You can't recycle those. They have to go in the trash. Right. Now, look, at you could say, I, I want to err on the side of throwing it in the trash. And that's not what we're saying here today. Mm -hmm. 
we would rather have you err on the side of putting it in the recycling bin. It is labor intensive to look. They look through everything that you are putting in your recycling bin. That's like, oh my God, I didn't know that. But yeah, as you saw, those conveyor belts have all those people around it looking at everything so that that, that what goes into the recycling section really is recyclable. Um, but it means that maybe we shouldn't use that plastic cutlery, yeah. that that is the, the choices that we, because they aren't recyclable. Yeah. And so we should find other ways. And a lot of people have acknowledged that in terms of plastic bottles, plastic water bottles. Yeah. We're seeing now a lot more pla uh, cans of water because that's better for the environment. So as consumers, it's not just to check out and make sure that what companies are telling about us about their products are true, but it's our own behavior and how we can be doing it better and smarter for the environment. Yeah. And you touched on something that I want to go back to, um, just the fact of, of making smart decisions about what you're using and, and making the best decision you can at the time, like reusing or reducing and and using those other R's in the sense of recycling. Like when I was a kid, there was a phrase, I think it was reduce, reduce, reuse, recycle, reuse, reduce, recycle. Um, and using those to then prevent things from even end up ending up being a possibility of being recycled. And you know who's doing that really well? Who? Our kids. Because yes. they are learning that in school, just like you're remembering it now. <laughs> and uh, sometimes they're the smartest recyclers in the household. And we all as adults can learn from them. And we thank our teachers and our schools for mm -hmm. uh, understanding that that's an important part of growing up is to learn about where things come from and and uh, how you know reducing or reusing or recycling plays an important part in our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one thing that the Mount Diablo Resource Recovery does really well, um, one thing that Kish was telling me is that they set it up so that they sort really well and have really high quality end products um, that then makes it easier to uh, sell to buyers. The sophistication of the machines helping us to sort for more precisely different base materials, it's those materials themselves that ultimately determine how how readily recyclable they are, how readily usable they are for material manufacturers that want to put recycled content into their new products. So back at the recycling center upstairs from the glass sorting machine is another machine that helps sort by using AI. As all the stuff comes careening down the conveyor belt, the AI sees a 3D image of each item and sorts out the things like plastic bottles, cans, and cardboard packaging. And the machine sounds kind of strange. What is this? So what you're hearing is the machine shooting a stream of air at all the non-recyclables, pushing them up over a barrier where they make their way to another area to get a second look from a human. Since sometimes things like crushed bottles or a complicated package isn't recognizable to the AI. Kish says this is actually a technology that's been used in agriculture and in recycling for decades. These systems are very highly efficient, highly effective, and yet trainable and configurable to be able to, for us, to be able to point it and train it at a particular material type and get it outstanding at seeing it and sorting for it. And that's increasingly important. If there are market demands for a particular type of material, um, because there's just something happening in, in the marketplace that says, I want this particular type of plastic or I want this particular grade of cardboard. We can increasingly train the machine to be able to see with much more precision 
what that material type is that we're looking for and train our equipment to produce that at a higher level. So that's why we made these investments, because, again, we want to have one of the best mousetraps around in the region. And that technology is helping us get there for sure. And he says those systems are incredibly important because they allow the sorted bales of materials that the recycling center produces to be sold for a higher price. And it makes the process of using those materials again for products way more efficient. And all of that actually helps keep your recycling rates down. The greater that we can produce higher value commodities and fetch the highest prices out on the open marketplace, that helps our rate payers because we're in a we're in a in, in a deal with our ratepayers that the greater we can perform economically around these recyclables, the more that the ratepayers benefit by keeping the cost of the ratepayer down. And so we're always trying to strike that environmental and economic balance. So it's reaching the end of the tour, and we get to where all those bales of sorted cardboard are made by a machine that's aptly named the baler. You're hearing about three by five cubic feet of compressed cardboard being shoved out of a metal tube. That's what you end up with after all the cardboard is sorted into the clean stuff, like shipping boxes without plastic tape or paint, and the not-so-clean stuff, which is usually small pieces and mixed with other things like receipts, plastic bags. The baler machine compacts all of that and then extrudes it through a chute where loops of wire get snapped around it. Then those bales of clean cardboard get piled up along the wall before they're sold to buyers. So, Steve, when you toured the facility, what were you most surprised by? How loud it was? Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot is going on, and it's very loud. I mean, earplugs are helpful. With the bulldozers moving trash here and there, and the, and the belts whizzing by, and the crashing of glass and cans, uh, you know, it's, it's a very... Uh, labor-intensive, loud environment. Uh, but it's, uh, I guess the last thing would be that everything that you put in your recycling bin, someone's looking at. Mm -hmm. They're tearing open that plastic bag, which, by the way, shouldn't be in your recycling bin. And they're looking at everything inside and trying to make good choices in a split second. Mm -hmm. So the workers that, that do that work, it's difficult work, and they do it very well. And so I a lot of appreciation for them, the environment they work in, and also how precisely they work and the machines work to try to look at every bit of trash and, and try to put it to its highest and best use. Yeah. I mean, I one moment really sticks out to me from the tour is like seeing this person just standing there and like stuff was going by so quickly and he was snatching things off the belt and throwing them in the trash and in like three different bins behind him um, and sorting it by hand like as it was going past, um, which is so impressive. And it really makes me appreciate how much work goes into actually making sure that so much of this stuff ends up being recycled um, in yeah. a really sustainable way. That's good. And it's good. I, I think I came away feeling a little more you know, positive and inspired that recycling has been so frustrating, as I talked about at the, at the top of this. Um, but we have a lot of partners trying to help us do it right. And I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Until next time, you're listening to Table Talk. I'm Vivian Bosu-Skinner. And I'm your state senator, Steve Glazer. Thanks for listening. Thank you all. This episode was produced, mixed, and mastered by Vivian Bosu-Skinner. Thanks to Mount Diablo Resource Recovery and Kish Rajan for allowing us to come and visit on a tour. And if you'd like to go take a tour yourself, you can find Mount Diablo Resource Recovery on the web at mdrr.com.
Thanks again for listening to Table Talk. 